back to throw Fitzpatrick. Throwing high into the air. Got it. Parker, touchdown. What a win for this Miami Dolphin team. Wow. What is up, Dolphins, and welcome to the Drive Time Podcast, part of the Miami Dolphins official podcast network covering your Miami Dolphins each and every day. How's it going, everybody? Happy Thursday. I am your host, Travis Wingfield, and as always, here to bring you your daily dose of Miami Dolphins football. And on today's show, we are going to hear from some heavy hitters. We have Dolphins media availability, and we'll get sound from Byron Jones, Devon Godshaw, and Tua Tungavailoa. Plus, I had a brief chat with Alabama football head coach Nick Saban about coaching Tua, his spirit, his workmanlike demeanor, and how his Crimson Tide teammates gravitated towards him over there in Tuscaloosa. And we'll get you caught up on all the latest from Dolphins HQ live here from Davey. All of that and more on this Thursday, August the 13th edition of the Drive Time Podcast. That's another Miami Dolphins. And I love doing the podcast every single day. I've always been enamored with the spoken word type of sports coverage and sports media from AM talk radio and later, of course, evolving into podcast form as we know it today. And as a professional podcaster, you have certain shows that get the juices flowing, maybe a little bit more than other shows. Now, I like all my podcasts and we work hard to make sure we're doing every show great here on the Drive Time Podcast But I'm a little bit more excited for this one today. Let's go ahead and just bury the lead a little bit more and get some updates on Dolphins camp on this Dolphins roster with the current up-to-date changes to this Miami Dolphins roster as both Chris Greer and Brian Flores work to churn this roster and get the most talent in the building possible. The Dolphins added a couple of cornerbacks over the last couple of days in Breon Borders and Dietrich Nichols. The Dolphins also waived safety Stephen Parker and tight end Bryce Sterk. Borders was added on Wednesday night. He joins the Dolphins after playing 12 games in 2019, one for Washington and 11 with one start. For Jacksonville, he totaled seven tackles, six of those solo, had a fumble recovery. He also appeared in one game with Jacksonville back in 2018. He spent some time with Houston in 2018, Buffalo in 2017 and 2018, and the Oakland Raiders in 2017. He originally entered the NFL as a UDFA with the Raiders on May 5th in 2017. Nichols, a Miami native, played two games for Arizona in 2018 and spent the 2019 offseason there with the Cardinals. He didn't record any statistics. He played for the Houston Roughnecks, however, earlier this year of the XFL and led the XFL with three interceptions, of course, making him the all-time XFL leader in interceptions. He also had plenty of production in that league with 24 total tackles. He had a sack, three tackles for loss, and six more pass breakups there with the Houston Roughnecks. He originally entered the NFL as a UDFA out of college with the Cardinals on May 11th, 2018. He played his high school ball down here at Miami Central High School before going to South Florida for college. Stephen Parker has been waived the safety, played 14 games last year with four starts, and Bryce Sterk, the undrafted free agent, trying to make his way from a defensive lineman over to the tight end position, was signed as a UDFA back in April. He has been waived out of Montana State. So two roster moves there coming in, two roster moves going out. Another piece of news here before we get into the Nick Saban interview, want to let you guys know about the piece up on MiamiDolphins.com. As the Dolphins have announced, they will commemorate Don Shula this year in memoriam with a patch on the jersey that simply says Shula 347. And of course, that 347 in reference 
to the number of wins the legendary Miami Dolphins head coach had over the course of his brilliant NFL career. So plenty of news. Check out MiamiDolphins.com. Let's go ahead now and turn things forward to my interview with Coach Saban of the Alabama Crimson Tide. We talked for a little bit about quarterback Tua Tungavailoa. So let's go ahead and roll that interview here with Nick Saban. All right, Coach Saban, thank you so much for joining me today. Good to be on with you. Coach, we, I want to talk about your quarterback there at Alabama, now our quarterback here with the Miami Dolphins and Tua Tungavailoa. And you've talked a lot about Tua's spirit and how it's never fleeting. Even after the injury, you mentioned how he was the one cheering you up. And for someone that got to be around him every day and saw how he interacted with his teammates in the locker room, with the football staff, or even on campus there in Tuscaloosa, can you describe Tua's spirit and what it can do for a football program? Well, I think... You know, the big thing about Tua, he's such a positive guy. You know, he's very positive. He's very upbeat. Um, you know, he's always got a smile on his face. Um, you know, uh, you ask him how he's doing, he's going to say, he's going to thank you for asking. Uh, and that's unusual, you know, in this generation, in this day and age of young people. So, uh, and I think that sort of uh, is a little contagious, you know, with the people around him. Um his energy and his enthusiasm is always really, really good. Um, he all, I've, I've never, ever seen him not treat someone else, whether he knew him or didn't know him, with the utmost respect. And I think that's a cultural thing. Uh, I think that's important to his family as well. Uh, so this guy's unique uh, in terms of uh, the kind of person he is, the kind of spirit that he has, and uh, how he relates it to other people uh, is very positive. I think we saw that right away, Coach, the first time he got a appear as the full-time quarterback in that national championship game. Of course, he did have some spot duty throughout the course of that season. But I wanted to ask you about his locker room presence. And when you made that switch at halftime of that game, a pig spot for a true freshman there, how would you say his demeanor was when you told him you were making that switch at halftime of such a big football game? Well, I, I think that, you know, Tua had played quite a bit you know, throughout the course of the year, even though Jalen Hurts was the starting quarterback. And we were trying to get Tua ready for that moment. You know, if something happened to Jalen, uh, injury, uh, having a bad day, whatever it might be. Uh, and it just happened to be that the circumstance came up in a really, really big moment. I don't think that Tua took that as a really big moment. I mean, we emphasize so much, you know, focus on what's in front of you, focus on the next play. You know, don't worry about external factors. Uh, and, and I think he handled it really, really well because I think he stayed in that mindset. Uh, he made some mistakes in the game. Uh, if you watch it closely, um, but he really made some great plays. And I think that's what we needed in that game because we felt like we had to throw the ball effectively to win that game. And, had some good skill players, and he, he, he was able to take advantage of those uh, by making good decisions and some very, very good throws. We've heard Kirk Herbstreet of ESPN, who had access to some of your practices before that game, talk on the Move the Sticks podcast about how sharp and precise Tua is in practice every day. I talked to Xavier McKinney, one of your star defensive backs there at the Combine, about going up against Tua in practice every day as well. I'm curious to get your take on what his practice tempo, his energy, his desire to be right on every single snap, every single play, and what it was like to face him on defense since you are such a defensive coach. All right, well, he... You know, Tua is every day same, practice the same way. I mean, he knows the importance of timing in the passing game. Uh, he knows the importance of him getting the ball out of his hand quickly. 
a timing of routes. I think that's something that we really tried to emphasize with our receivers uh, in the passing game, which the quarterback is a big part of that. Uh, and he has a tremendous knack and instinct for throwing the ball on time, throwing it someplace where a guy can catch it, run with it, and he's extremely accurate. Uh, so, uh, and he was that way every day. I mean, I can't sit here and say, wow, I remember this day where Tua had a really bad day. Uh, now, if Tua Tua pick, uh, he'd probably say he had a bad day, but he wouldn't, you know, he wouldn't tell you about the eight other plays he made that were good plays. But um, the guy is always the same. He's always got the same demeanor, the same temperament. Uh, he's always trying to get better. Uh, he's always focused on what he needs to do. So uh, and I think those are all positive signs to improve, right? which I think every player has got to focus on development. When you're going from college to the NFL or high school to college, you got to focus on development. You can't focus on the circumstance that you're in. So he's been able to do that really well, and I think that's why he developed quickly here. I think a big reason for that development as well, like you mentioned, is the work ethic. And we also were told about that work ethic coming back from the injury, but more so from your episode, Coach, of ESPN Plus's detail, where you said there simply aren't a lot of guys that can do this with regards to making a full field read. And he was your quarterback under three different offensive coordinators. How much did having Tua as your QB, as your leader, really help expedite those system changes on offense? Well, I don't know that the system changes were as dramatic as, you know, what somebody might think. Um, just because you have a new coordinator doesn't mean you have a totally different offense. Uh, we've always tried to keep the basis of our offense here pretty much the same for the 50 players in the building, uh, just because one guy changed the offensive coordinator. Uh, but we've also used the, the, the energy and enthusiasm of a new person to be able to add to that, uh, to make um, improvements, you know, in the offense. Uh, so I think that's more what he experienced. And I think that exposure, you know, to three really, really good offensive coordinators, all with a little different style, two with pro backgrounds, uh, is really going to help his transition in the NFL. So you hear a coach there talk about not only the on-field work habits and how he would work tirelessly to make things right in practice to make sure that if he made one wrong play out of 10 or out of 12, out of however many it was, he would focus on that one play and get that thing corrected, trying to be a consistent player every single day. But really, the thing that I took out of that was just the personality that he shows around the building down there at Alabama and how he treats people with respect and he's so kind. You heard Nick Saban talk there about how he would, if you asked him how he was doing, he would not only give you his answer and ask you how you were doing, but thank you for asking him how he was doing there as well. Part of his heritage, part of his culture there with his family. We all know a lot about his upbringing there under the Tonga Vailoa name on the islands of Hawaii there. So Nick Saban kind of giving us some more detail, some more insight there into how Tua is, both on the practice field, in the locker room, and as a human being. And with that, let's go ahead now and get to the media availabilities we had here on Thursday at the facility. We had Tua Tungavailoa himself, Byron Jones, and Devon Godshaw, three players here on the Miami Dolphins, talking to South Florida media. Let's go ahead and start with Tua Tungavailoa. And up first, Tua was asked a question regarding the adjustment going from college to the NFL, the workload he's had to take on in making that jump to the NFL level. Here is Tua's answer. Yeah, I mean, it's been good. It's definitely uh, a different learning curve than what I'm used to at Alabama. You know, there's not as much time that we, we get on the field, you know, whereas we, we, we spend a lot of more of our time watching film than, than really anything else. Not to say we don't get a lot of work out there, 
Um, but it's it's more, you know, in your meeting rooms, watching film. Up next, Tua was asked about how tough it is to learn the offense and the process of going through and learning Chan Gailey's offense. Yeah, I, I think to answer that question, no matter what offense you're stepping into, it's, it's always going to be a, a process of learning. And I think that's where I'm at. I'm still in the process of getting to understand uh, Chan's offense. Now, from a perspective of, you know, personality with, with who Chan is and whatnot, I mean, Chan, Chan's phenomenal, really great guy down to earth. Um, you know, when it's, when it's time to work, he's, he's out there, you know, we, we go to work, but, um, you know, it's, it's, it's a very friendly environment with, with him and the, the other quarterbacks as well. I'm always intrigued by coaching staff balance as you hear him talk about Chan Gailey and the friendly nature of the environment there. You'll hear from Byron Jones later talk about the intensity that Coach Flores brings. So a good balance there back and forth between those two coaches. Tua talking about learning the offense. We heard Nick Saban earlier talk about his ability to grasp the offense there at Alabama. And they both talked about the learning process of going through this and establishing a new offense and a new base within that offense. All right, up next, Tua was asked about his relationship with Dan Marino. Here's a really cool answer for you on Tua Tungavailoa meeting and talking to Dan Marino. Yeah, well, the first time I met Dan, I think Dan reached out to me after I got drafted, which was super awesome. That was that was cool. Um, but when I the first day I got into the building, Chan was in our meeting. Or, I mean, uh, Dan, Dan was in our meeting and got to talk to Dan. I mean, he, he's also a really down-to-earth guy. I mean, he's someone that you can just chat with. Um, you know, for someone who pretty much is the, you know, talk of, of the town with, with Dan, um, you know, he's, he's super humble. You know, he, he doesn't hold his head high or um, walk around here like he's, he's the man, which he is, but... He's super humble. And of course, fifth pick in the draft, second quarterback off the board, the illustrious history there at Alabama too, was asked about expectations of him coming into his rookie season and talking about how he's prepared with those expectations and what he's doing right now to get better each and every day. Uh, Well, I think for me, um, you know, my focus right now is just trying to get into the playbook, literally trying to understand what what we're doing um, offensively. And really just trying to build relationships with the guys on the team. Um, I, I definitely believe that, uh, you know, Coach Coach Flo, uh, Chan, Robbie, all those guys that, um, that are going to be making their decisions, you know, they're going to put the team in the best position they think is possible. So if that's me supporting someone or, or not, that's what it's going to be. And then up next, we get what I think is a really cool answer about how Tua relates family to football and his culture and his upbringing because he talks about the one thing that really intertwines those two facets of life. And that really, to me, is the beauty of sports is how sports and life can kind of intertwine and you can take lessons from sports and apply them to life. Here's what Tua talks about the most important thing among family life, respecting his elders and in football and respecting the coaches that put you in the right position to make plays every day at practice and in games, talking about that level of respect. I think football definitely intertwines with the Samoan culture that I I come from with my background. Because in our culture, respect is the biggest thing. And in football, respect is almost demanded, you know, from the head coach, from your OC. Um, so it, it's um, one of those things where you grow up not knowing 
you know, how to, how to talk back to an elder when they, you know, talk to you about doing something. Um, and you learn how to take advice. You learn how to eat, you know, eat, getting chewed. When you get chewed out, you learn how to eat it is what I'm trying to say. And, um, so I, I definitely think it's helped shape me to, to the person that I am as well. Um, in that regards, it's been respectful and whatnot. And speaking of respect, I'm sure you've seen it by now. Tua did show up to his media availability wearing a Ryan Fitzpatrick appearance jersey, showing that thing off, talking about it being an icebreaker. Here was a question that I was going to ask uh, Tua, but someone asked it before I could get on there. So here he is talking about his relationship with quarterback Ryan Fitzpatrick. Yeah, 100%. Um, I thought I could break ice making you guys laugh, you know, wearing a Fitz jersey because, I mean, you know, Fitz, he's he's <laughs> – He's very personable as well, um, but kind of to start started off with with Fitz. Um, I mean, very very down to earth person, very humble. Uh, I I've got to meet his family like about two days ago, um, and and it was pretty funny because every like everyone while we were on Facetime, everyone's just scattered around the house, and so he introduces me to his his kids. Um, and then he introduced me to his wife and, you know, he's like, yeah, this, this is, this is it. This is everyone. And this is my family. <laughs> and then, you know, lo and behold, he forgets two of them. And so it's like, man, this man really has a family. He's really been in the league for so long. Um, and to be behind the, like a professional like that, to me, it's, it's kind of mind boggling how down to earth he is. It's, it's one of those things where it's this, this guy gets it. I don't know what it is, but, but he gets it. Um, and uh, that saying goes true. It, it says, you know, if, if you want to get somewhere fast, you go alone. But if you want to do it with purpose, you bring people with you. And I think Fitz, Fitz has done a tremendous job in trying to help shape and mold me, you know, and Josh as well. So it, it's been really cool to, to go through that process um, with him. I have never heard that saying, if you want to get somewhere fast, go it alone. But if you want to do it with purpose, bring people with you. But I'm going to go ahead and write that down. That's a great quote. Here is a question about Tua's preparation and about how he spends some of his free time when he's not working on football. Well, he's still working on football. Yeah, that's a great question. I'm, I'm, I'm not out ever. So, you know, I'm, I just stay home or uh, go to the team hotel. You and me both, Tua. You and me both. Homebodies for life. And up next, Tua was asked about the expectations that come with being one of the high draft picks this year, fifth overall, again, second quarterback off the board. Here was what he said about how he deals with potential expectations people might place on him from the outside. Yeah, I think the best way to to handle it is really not pay attention to it. Kind of if that makes sense. Not not being not being someone who just says, oh, I, I don't like it. You know, I don't care about it. I, I understand that it's there, but... I just feel like the focus, the main focus is just being able to get into my playbook, being able to, you know, like I said, build relationships with the guys on the team and just focus on what we got to do inside of the building. I mean, just, just like almost every athlete has said, you know, fans are, are, are good and fans can be as well. You know, so when we're doing good, we're all we got as a team. You know, the fans are going to say whatever that's all that outside noise. And really, we just got to pay attention to what we we're, we're trying to do and accomplish as a team 
you know, here in the Dolphins organization. And on yesterday's podcast, we talked to rookie safety Brandon Jones about the quizzes the coaching staff will put him through to prepare him for game situations. Here's Tua Tungavailoa on that very same situation, having Coach Flores and the coaching staff put them in game-like situations out there on the practice field. But with, with the NFL not having preseasons and understanding game management in a real live scenario, um, you know, what to do end of game, end of half and whatnot, you know, how, how we do that here is um, flow gives us kind of daily situational awareness football uh, during our team meeting. So we, we probably go over about three or four things as a team, um, how we want to go about running the clock out in this situation, how we want to do things in this situation. And, and that's, that's really how, how we, how we go about doing that. And then we would walk through it on the field and, do things like that. So, yeah, that's how we're going about that. So there he goes. Tua Tunga-Vailoa makes a great first impression there with the icebreaker, with the Ryan Fitzpatrick jersey. Of course, I'm sure you saw all the photos and tweets out there up on Twitter. He gave a good little thumbs up as well as he exited stage right. And coming in stage left was cornerback Byron Jones, who was just a phenomenal interview. We had him back on drive time back in March. Love talking to this guy. Let's go ahead and get now to the interview with Byron Jones. And up first, he was asked about the defensive style they want to play here in Miami. And Byron Jones talked about lots of man coverage and the secondary they have to make that happen. Um, uh, in terms of our defensive style, it seems like we're, we're more man, uh, which is fun. We have the corners for it. We have the secondary for it. Um, I'm, used to, I'm used to being out there guarding receivers, running around with tight ends, slot receivers, and uh, X's and Z's. So it's nothing different per se. Um, it's just a different roster, a different system. It's, it's exciting, um, but definitely new. And up next, Byron was asked a question that lots of cornerbacks get asked, the top cornerbacks in the league. How do they feel about chasing the other team's best receiver and covering up number one receivers across the league? Oh, I feel great. This is a big reason why I was brought here. It was to uh, to build on the already good secondary. Um, we have really good young players. We have good players who have been here in the past. Um, so it's really just, I'm just another piece to the puzzle in terms of a really good and um, just really excellent uh, Dolphins secondary. So hopefully we'll have X back as soon as he gets back. We, we want to make sure he's fully healthy first. We're not going to rush him at all, but, um, you know, we're good. We're, we're a good team up and down the roster, I'd say. And up next, a question from yours truly. Hey, Byron. Good morning, man. Uh, I wanted to go back to when you first signed here with the Dolphins, and you mentioned that you'd heard great things from around the league about Brian Flores and the program that he's putting together down here and your opportunity at being a leader. I just wanted to get your kind of up-to-date take on how that's going now that you've experienced the atmosphere here firsthand and taking on that leadership role with such a young team. Yeah, no, it's been very exciting to actually be here in person and get to know the coaches, get to know my teammates. Um, This is a young roster. There's no going around that. Um, but that's exciting. Um, these guys are hungry. They're hungry to build a name for themselves. They're hungry to, to build a special team here, and, and you see it every day. And uh, Coach Flo has been great with his communication, de- definitely during these times where you know things are very different. Meetings are different. Uh, the way we practice is very different. Um, his intensity when he speaks to us, it's apparent you know, right away. Um, so it's very exciting to see that in person instead of just on a Zoom meeting. So um, it's something that I'm looking forward to trying to build on this and going in the right direction, really. 
Loved hearing him talk about the young, hungry team they have down here in Miami, a bunch of first and second year players. We learned about that last year with the roster. These guys hungry to make a play, make a name for themselves. Byron Jones confirms that this season. Up next, he was asked about the possible combination between he and Xavier Howard and how they balance each other out skill set wise. Um, you know, we both excel at, you know, playing man coverage. I think he excels at attacking the ball better than me. So that's something I'm learning from him. Um, but it, it all, it, it, what we need to understand is nothing really matters what you did last year or the year before that. What matters is what you build today and now and going into the 2020 season. So it, it, our focus is really on building, uh, you know, our skill set now and not really relying on what we've done in the past. Um, so it, it really starts all over again in, in 2020. Next, he was asked a question about how cornerback rankings across the position group that he plays in and how he might factor that in or how fans perceive him to be. Here's what Byron Jones had to say about how he feels about ranking those guys at his position group. Um, it's a fun game for fans, no question. But for me, I focus on myself. I focus on um, you know, making sure my craft is the best it can possibly be. My footwork, my eyes, my hands, my feet, my tackling. Um, I just... I just choose to focus my intention on myself. And that's how I've been since I was young. And um, I just want to keep that same mentality. And here's one that I loved about Coach Alexander in the defensive backs room and also Coach Kirk Kuntz, who is the assistant defensive backs coach there along with Gerald Alexander and how both those guys help these guys communicate so much and make sure that everybody knows what we're doing, where the help is, where the leverage. You'll hear Byron Jones talk about that right here. I'll tell you this. Um, he, he is a really good teacher. Um, you know, him and, and Coach Chuck together as a secondary coaches, they do a really good job at making sure the DBs understand what defense we're in and where our help is and understanding what our leverage is and um, how the entire defense works together in our favor. Um, so those guys have been on it in terms of leverage, in terms of where your help is, um, where the rush is coming from, you know, uh, looking at quarterback tendencies. So um, both coaches, Coach Chuck and, and Coach G.A., uh, they're both very good teachers, and, and they're really implementing these these important lessons and these foundational lessons on us very early. And I think it's going to pay dividends in, in the season. And with regard to those coaches and working on the ball skills that he referred to earlier that Xavier Howard has him beat on, here's Byron Jones talking about how he can improve those skills and working with coaches during practice. Oh, so it's it's a skill set. So like any skill set, you work on it on a daily basis. So it's working, you know, when there is a... a um, uh, special teams period, I go with Chuck. We go off to the side and we work um, seeing the ball in all the way. And then we work uh, high point, high pointing the ball um, as the ball is in the air. Looking back, looking over the opposite shoulder, we make, the, we make the drills uncomfortable so that when it happens in the game, it's natural at that point. Um, so it's just a skill set. It's a skill set like anything else, eyes, hand, feet. Um, this is what we work on on a daily basis. So it's, it's a skill set that I'm working on. And um, every day we're, we're doing something to improve in that, in that category. So there he goes, Byron Jones. If you can't tell already how much I love his interviews because of the introspective, deep answers he gives, man, it's always fun to talk to him and get some of those unique answers out of Byron Jones. Another guy we'd love to talk to here in the Dolphins organization is Devon Godshaw, one of the more veteran leaders of this group, one of the more tenured members of this defense. Up next, we had a chance to chat with Devon Godshaw. And up first in that interview, Godshaw talking about organizing and creating a workout this offseason for he and his teammates. I mean, it was kind of tough because you got a lot of guys on, on the in, in the offseason, you know. I mean, we would have been in OTAs, but, you know, the coronavirus. But you got a lot of guys, you know, want to have their free time to themselves. A lot of guys got wives. A lot of guys got kids. So, I mean, you know, having to get it coordinated, had to get, like, a group mention started, you know, with specifically the defensive line and get those guys, you know, hey, we're going to be here at this time. And, of course, you know, you got other teams, you know, doing that. I, I, I of course, want to get my guys, you know, rolling, get, get 
my guys a head start. You know, things like having rookies coming in and trying to get the, trying to get ahead, trying to get the playbook and things like that. So I mean, of course, you know, when when I had that opportunity to do that, of course, I took advantage of. it. And then I was up next, and I wanted to know about Devon's relationship with the defensive lineman the Dolphins brought in this offseason and how it can make them be more multiple up front on that defensive line. Hey, Devon, how's it going, man? I wanted to ask you about some of the offseason additions made up front this year on the Dolphins' defensive line. How do those additions help you guys be more multiple up front? I mean, we have guys, Shaq Lawson and Emmanuel Akbar. You know, both of those guys can rush the passer. Both of those guys can set the edge. So I think when you look at those two guys, you look at, you know, the very big, very strong, very physical guys. So with me and Christian inside and to add some other guys to it, I mean, I think, you know, we just want to be start off, you know, being like a physical physical defensive line. You know, I mean, we want to rush the pass. You know, we want to stop the run first, you know. But I think when you add those two guys, you know, you're looking at two guys that can really set the edge and really can play on third down too. And Devon's next answer to the next question here on our, our docket of Q&A with Devon Godshaw. You'll hear him talk about how the team mentality of playing defense is really more important than an individual freelancing or doing his own thing. And you hear Devon talk about it there in my question about setting that edge and getting to third down on defense where you can then rush the passer and kind of pin the ears back and go at it full steam ahead. I think it's an important thing to look at this past season with getting better off that edge, getting better against the run and creating more opportunities that way. Here, he's talked about scheming up some pass rush on this defense. Brian Flores trying to get pressure with those front four guys with the linebackers as well and the blitzes. We know that Sam, Sam Egwavon last year had the second most pass rush attempts from linebackers. Jerome Baker was in that list as well. Kyle Van Noy has been that for the Patriots in the years past. Here's Devon Godshaw talking about scheming up pressure and being responsible for your job, being in your gap, doing your job, and not getting outside of the framework of the defense and doing your own thing. I mean, it works well. You know, you have, you know, flows with, you know, New England and, you know, he, you know, they had the same scheme, scheme pressures and, you know, you just have to have everybody do their job. You know, if, if, if the nose tackle got to penetrate, he got to penetrate because the buck probably got to, you know, do a, do a stunt or he got to do something. So you just got to have everybody on the same page. I think once you do that as a defense, I mean, you're going to get sacks. You're going to get the numbers you want. You're going to get the, the TFLs. You're going to get all that, but you have to do it as a team. That's 11 guys on the field as a defense. I think once you do that, I mean, you can you can do pretty much anything you want. I mean, like I said the first time, but you can't have guys out there being selfish. You know, I'm going to I'm going to I'm going to jump this gap when I should be in this gap to try to make a play. I mean, it's not going to work like that. You're going to have teams getting gas in the run game and, and in the pass game open up big lanes for the quarterback. And so that is going to wrap it up for us here on this Media Availability Thursday podcast. Plenty of good nuggets there from Godshaw, Byron Jones, Tua Tungavailoa, as well as Nick Saban there. If you want to find out or find these pressers in their entirety, go ahead and check out MiamiDolphins.com, our YouTube channel on social media. You can find it anywhere that we are. As for this podcast, that is going to be my time. No podcast tomorrow. We are going to come back on Saturday for another special edition of the Drive Time podcast. So keep it locked for that. We have the Blitz for you guys every single morning. Check out the piece up on MiamiDolphins.com as well, talking about Don Shula and the commemorative patch we are going to wear this season to honor the late, great coach, the winningest coach in NFL history. As for this podcast, let's go ahead and call it a wrap. Subscribe, rate, and review on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, wherever you get your podcasts from. Go ahead and follow me on Twitter at WingfieldNFL. Follow the Dolphins at Miami Dolphins. Check out the Fish Tank and the Audible. We have a new edition of the Audible coming up soon, I believe later this week. And of course, MiamiDolphins.com. Until next time, guys, fins up.